it comes to, okay, well, where do you want to be in five years? Okay. So what is it that you need to do in order to get there? So often I think about that, like, where do I want to be? What are the conversations I need to be having? What are the things I need to be learning about to really set myself up for that success? I'm Ian Harvey from New York City, and you're listening to You're a Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Our host, Hannah Moore, CFP, is an active force in the FPA's work to educate, empower, and inspire new financial planners. In this episode, Hannah spoke with Stephanie Trexler, CFP, in an Ask Me Anything session at the FPA Michigan Student Success Summit. She shared the secret sauce behind FPA's virtual externship program and her excitement about the next generation of planners. Up next, Hannah shares how the virtual externship has evolved for 2021 and what the next generation needs in order to thrive professionally and step into their potential. But first, this episode is powered by Prudential. Prudential's new advisory solutions are built from the ground up to help clients with the financial challenges of living longer and market uncertainty. Their advisor-only annuities are unique, flexible, allow for customization, and rely on your continued guidance and expertise. Now Prudential, with over 145 years of expertise in risk management, can help protect the retirement income plans you've created. You manage the wealth, they protect it so it can last. Visit them at PRURIA.com. Annuities are issued by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey, and its affiliates. Welcome, Hannah, to our FP of Michigan Student Success Summit. I'm so excited to have you here with us today. Um, could you just start off with telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. I love talking to students. So this is this is really special for me. I'm Hannah Moore. I'm in Dallas, Texas. I'm a mom of a little two and a half year old girl. I have another one on the way. And I have my own practice here in Dallas called Guiding Wealth. I started out, started working for a woman. Um, so professionally, I started working for a woman who was, I was 22. She was 68. Four years later, I bought her practice, bought another small practice afterwards. So much of the work that we were doing was really investment focused. And I was like, what I really wanted to do is financial planning. And so I really dove into what did that look like? Um, and so I just took a couple clients and started being like, okay, I want to do financial planning with you. And they all said, yes. And I just noticed like the difference between doing investment management and financial planning with my clients. It was just a night and day difference for me. And so I ended up leaving um, most of those other clients behind and breaking away um, and really having a boutique wealth management or financial planning firm here in Dallas. So uh, we did that. About the time that I broke away, I started doing, starting running the Year of Financial Planner Now What podcast. It was a seminar series with my local FPA chapters. So like what you guys are doing in Michigan, we were doing that um, in Dallas-Fort Worth. And I was attending it and it was like the best content. Oh my gosh. It was like how to do financial planning. It's where I learned how to do financial planning my husband in particular was just like, why didn't you put that on the internet? And I was like, I have no idea how to do that. Like I'm a planner. I don't know how to do any of that. He's like, well, I do. Um, and so that's kind of gotten us on this path of really helping other financial planners really discover how to do financial planning and how to do it well. So we have the Your Financial Planner Now Up podcast. We've worked with the FPA now, um, the national FPA. And so we, so that's an FPA podcast there. We have the FPA activate Facebook group. So there's two or 3000 people in there. So it's a great community. Even if you're not ready to ask questions, it's a great place to just go lurk and learn about what our financial planners asking about today. Uh, so we have the FPA activate community. There's student communities like I know you guys have all across the country next gen. And then also um, this past summer, 
you know, we ran um, the externship. So we saw all these students who were losing their internship programs or their internships. And we're like, what could we do? Um, So we looked at a number of different options. And then we kind of got this crazy idea of like, what if we could recreate an internship experience online? Like we'll never be able to replace the in-depth one-on-one firm experience, but we realized that we could replace so many other things. Oh, good. Some of these people are talking about the externship. Yes, we had so much fun doing that. Uh, So we ran the externship last year and then we are gearing up to run it again this year with like all of these really cool additions that like, I'm just so excited about um, sharing with people when we get there. Well, let's just jump right into it. That's, that's what everybody wants to hear about is the externship. Can you share, share some details with us? Yes. So we are for sure having an externship program. We haven't opened registration yet. Um, so if you go to fpaexternship.org, you can get on the waiting list for it. So you'll be the first people to hear about it. Uh, so we are going to be running it again. So we are, again, we, one of the really strong things about the externship was you got to see not just into one firm, but into a lot of different firms. So we have a lot of, you know, some of the same volunteers, some new volunteers that are going to be um, coming in where you're going to be able to see what is financial planning look like for them? Like not this abstract, let me tell you on a PowerPoint how to do it. It's going to be like, here are the deliverables. And then we're partnering up again with some of the biggest technology firms in this space. So you get exposed to e-money, you get exposed, like you'll be doing the work as if you were in an internship, but for a lot of different firms. Uh, So we're really, really excited about that. So one of the big additions, you guys might be some of the first people to hear about this. um, We've actually been recording client meetings. So you're going to sit in on some of my client meetings where you're going to be able to not just get training on how to do the back office of financial planning, but get training on how to take client notes. You guys get to see what financial planning and action is actually going to be. Um, So you're going to learn that back office side, but you're also going to see, you're going to have a front row seat to real client meetings. Um, And then we're going to be building plans off of that. Uh, So lots of really, really cool stuff um, going on in that externship. So be sure to sign register for that. It'll be, we're, we're just so excited about it. It's such a fun program. Awesome. When when can they register? Uh, we're going to be open registration, I think, late April. Okay. Um, so, but get on that waiting list and then we'll be letting everybody know about it. Such great reviews and we can't thank you enough for putting your heart and soul into that. Such a great program. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you mind if we go deep? Can, can Let's we just jump right into the hard stuff? Um, so what uh, mistakes have you made in your career? <laughs> a lot. Um, I think that's the point. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I saw that question. I was trying to think through, um, you know, how do you answer that? And I think, you know, there's a lot of mistakes, right? So even, um, I'll tell you, we were recording these client meetings. I'm seeing mistakes that I make in client meetings. You know, I'm, you know, 10, 12 years into this and I'm still making mistakes and how I'm engaging with clients. Um, you know, and they're not like huge, massive mistakes, but I'm realizing like, I could have listened better to that client. I could have done, you know, all of these things. I think we all have room for improvement. Um, you know, other mistakes, you know, obviously, you know, the day-to-day client stuff, there's always, you know, always, always room for improvement. You know, other big mistakes, you know, I think I stressed so much about where I was going to be. I put so much pressure on myself, especially at the beginning of my career. I mean, being a mom is a really big deal for me. Um, And I just put so much pressure on myself of trying to figure out the absolute best career 
pathway. Where am I going to be in 10 years? Where am I going to be in 15 years? How am I going to set this up? Um, instead of really just exploring all of the options um, that were really available to me. Um, so instead of just trusting myself, um, I think I tried to plan everything almost to a fault. Instead of just being like, I know that I'm going to have the answers when I need to have the answers. Um, I, I think that was, I wish I wouldn't have put as much pressure on myself for that. What is one thing you still struggle with? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm really good at finding like my own flaws. Uh, so I think what I'm struggling with now is how to manage it all. Um, I'm definitely a big dreamer. Um, I put a lot of things, you know, a lot of top priorities. I have a lot of <laughs> high goals. Um, and so really, you know, when you have three top priorities, like that's not really true. Like I need to make the hard decisions on what it is that I'm going to focus my time on. Um, so I think that's something that I always struggle with. Um, you know, I think putting myself out there, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but you know, we have this podcast, we have all these things, but really, um, putting like me out there, um, it's still kind of, it's interesting. It's still a challenge for me. I, I think sometimes, um, you know, letting, you know, I'm, I'm really personable in my client meetings and things like that, but am I that way on the internet, you know, and it, I don't know, it's, it's been a challenging kind of thing to recognize about myself. Um, and then there's always a business side of things. Like there's always room for improvement. The best planners I know are always learning, um, are always recognizing like where are their short shortfalls. So like in my practice right now, I'm learning so much about how to grow a practice. So we have a full-time hire y'all. My skill set is not managing people. It is not, it just isn't. Like, actually, when you look at my personality type, it's like the lowest skill <laughs> they have. And so I'm learning, to, like, what does that mean? Um, what does it mean to do like things that are really difficult for me on that? Um, I'm also just, there's so much I'm learning about business structure and how do you set your firm up for growth? And like, if you make these small changes at my size, how does it change the trajectory of, the, of my practice? Like, there's just a lot that I'm learning in that space. How and where do you find inspiration? Oh my gosh. I love pulling from different places. So, um, my husband got me this, um, poster type thing. It's in my home office. Um, and it's about creativity. And he was like, you're really creative. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a numbers person. Like I like all of this decoration. I didn't do a thing of it. Right. Like, I don't know how to, I can't, do that to save my life. Um, but I was like, I'm not creative. That's not who I am. And then I realized I read this book called the artist way it completely changed the way that I approached my work. Um, and so it's really, um, shown me like, so where do I get my inspiration? I get it from a lot of different places. Um, I try to follow people outside of financial planning, see what they're doing. What is it that they're finding success with different models? Like, right. So what are the different business models outside of financial planning that we could pull back in? What are the different, um, there's so much in creativity of, of, you know, different types of podcasts, talking to different people, every single person, like every single person on this call could teach me something like I'm convinced. Uh, and so it's really just, you know, staying really, really curious. And it's those, those one-off conversations where you're just like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And if I think about it that way, that changes all these other things. And so, I don't know, I'm always inspired by other financial planners as well, um, because I think we all really have something unique to offer each other. Speaking of that, who are your heroes? Who do you look up to? 
Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's funny. There's some big names and there's some really names you guys probably don't even know of. Um, I've had local mentors here who have just, there's just something about face-to-face or one-on-one maybe now versus face-to-face interactions that you just can't replicate on the internet. Like we do a lot of stuff on the internet. We have the podcast, we manage online communities, but there's just something about being seen and seeing others um, in that in that space. So I think of some of my mentors, Patrick Darty. I basically modeled my practice after his. I'm able to take maternity leave because of how Patrick taught me how to run my business. I look at Trudy Turner. Both of those started the Year of Financial Planner Now What series in Dallas. Um, other people I think of, you know, from a hero standpoint, I mean, I love the work Susan Bradley's doing. There's just so many, so many different people, people that really inspire me within like some of my favorite groups of people. I mean, professors, like my gosh, like they are like literally fundamentally changing financial planning every single year. Like there were hardly any programs 20 years ago. And now there's like 300 some on CFE registered programs. And they're building up like this base of like research. Like I'm completely blown away by what the academic community is doing. And then they're training up like all these students. Like it's amazing. They're like one of my favorite groups of people. I'm totally inspired by it you guys like students and just the energy and the excitement that you bring. Like there's just so many people where I, I don't know, I just have such a high opinion of, of the students and the people coming into financial planning of how uh, you guys are going to change financial planning for the better. Do you ever get imposter syndrome? Oh yeah, for sure. So how do you deal with that? So on this poster that my husband got me, um, there's, so it has, I, don't, I can't remember what, um, what it's from, but they had some guy wrote this book on creativity. So the main one is ignore everyone. Right. So I'm like, well, you can't always do that. But one of the things that it says on there is nobody cares. And I know that's really terrible to say that, but so often when I put things out in the internet, I don't remember the mistakes that people I look up to online make. I don't remember those. I remember that they showed up. And so that's what I keep reminding myself of is like, that's, that's really, it's about showing up. It's not about being perfect. In fact, being imperfect is really, really powerful. Um, You know, another thing with imposter syndrome is I realize it's not about me. None of this is about me. This is about my clients, right? So even as, you know, in client meetings, it's, how do I listen better? Like, how do I make this more about them? Um, even all those times when I feel like I'm an imposter, it's it's like, okay, maybe I'm focusing too much on myself. You know, even with our work with financial planners, like I'm not the hero in these stories. Like y'all are the heroes of your careers, not me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's often when I feel that imposter syndrome, it's often the focus is in the wrong place. The focus is on me instead of the focus being on on who's really important in this. Um, and so that's always been something that's, I've thought about a lot of, you know, is this, is this just for me to build a business or is this really to help people? And if it's really about helping people, then it's like, well, I can sign up for that all day. I love that. You mentioned that you do have somebody working for you. What do you look for when you're hiring someone? Yeah, that's a great question. So a couple things. One is I love working with people who love to get the job done. 
um, where it's, you know, I heard, I was talking to a friend um, and she's a great financial planner and we were talking about like hiring somebody and she was doing virtual and all this stuff. And she's just like, no matter who you hire, they'll do the first 80 to 90%, but they'll never be able to finish out that last bit. And I was like, okay, but what I valued is people who can finish out that last 10 to 20%. So it's, um, you know, I'm all about having healthy boundaries in the work place hundred percent about that. But I really want people who are like, okay, like what is a job that needs to get done? And I'm going to figure out how to do it. Like, regardless of if it's in a different part of the business, regardless of where it's going to be, like my job is to complete this task. Um, and to, you know, it's, it's not, oh, well, I'm, I'm not in the operations. I'm in a financial planner role. Well, that, that drives me crazy because I'm just like, no, like I need solutions. Um, I don't need, you know, I don't want to, I struggle professionally. I've always find that I run into roadblocks with people who are just like, Oh, that's not my job. And when I hear things like that, I'm like, no, 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 I I need that to be your job. Uh, Because if it is your job, then that means that like, we're all going to get, you know, moving forward. The other thing is I don't care about who's right. I care about if we're getting the job done. Like, you know, and so many people, it's like, you know, it's, you know, does it getting done or are like, are you right? Or is the job getting done? And like, I don't care if you're right. Like I care that the job is done, you know? And so it's, I don't know, kind of where do you place your emphasis on what you're doing? I did want to open it up to students that had some questions. Let's uh, kick it over to Oscar. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, Hello, Hannah Moore. Uh, My name is Oscar Garner. From Michigan State University, part of the Wealth Management Association. First off, I'd like to say thank you for the virtual externship. I was somebody who was a junior last year, struggling to figure out how I was going to get into the industry. Um, couldn't really find an internship. A couple of things fell through. Did the externship, and that literally took my resume through the roof, and I was able to start really networking. So I really appreciate that. Um, my question to you is, following you on Facebook, following you on LinkedIn, when it comes to branding and content creation, you know, what are some of the things you practice, the things you live by? Uh, so, you know, like for people trying to come up, you know, we don't have too much knowledge, but we're trying to put ourselves out there and establish ourselves in the community. So like, what do you do? What are some best practices? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. And I'm so glad that you were part of the externship. That makes me so happy to hear. Um, I, I love... Gosh, I like love that externship community so much. Um, so content creation, I have learned so much about this. Um, and um, okay, so a couple things. And where I'm at now is different from where I started. So there's a writer that she calls her, she always says, you always have to start with your shitty first draft. And so we talk about that a lot of like, when you make something, it's going to be bad, right? Um, or you're going to think it's bad. And it's... Um, Oh, I forget. He's a big NPR guy. Um, he does this American, this American life. Uh, but I had a quote um, on my desk that I could see all the time. And it was basically like, of course, you're going to have bad content. Like you're going to always criticize yourself because you have good taste, right? Like, you know what good content is. That's why you want to create it. You have good taste. And you know that when you start, that there's a gap between what you're creating and like what you want to do. Um, so So number one, just know that. And oftentimes you kind of just have to ship your first shitty draft Um, and it's okay. Like when I go back and look at like what I can't even go back and listen to the beginning podcast that we had, like, because I just, I just can't do it. Like, it's like, I just can't, but people don't remember that. Like they have no, I mean, they're not, 
they're like, you're 200 some odd episodes into this. Like you got this. And I'm like, well, I'm a lot better now than I was, um, you know, and, and that's just repetition and practicing and things. I think looking at what comes natural to you. So we are, um, podcasting was a lot easier for me than writing. So I'm not a big writer. Even now, uh, we, we push a lot of written content out. Uh, but that written content is, um, I have a copywriter helping me with it. Um, so, so from like a personal content creation standpoint, that's, um, I get help with that now, uh, but find what's easy for you. So for me, it was turning a microphone on and talking. That was a lot easier. Um, and frankly, when I first started, it was interview somebody. Like I didn't even have the things to say myself. Like I just knew that I could ask a lot of really good questions. Um, and so, and I was very curious. And so for me, like, you know, all of this got started by me literally just turning a microphone on and inviting a friend to come and be on a podcast with me. Um, and that's how it got started because that was just the easiest way of getting to where we were going. So figure out what's easy and what's natural. And then, you know, obviously like the consistency piece of it um, and just understanding that like, it's not all going to be good. And that's kind of the point, right? Like you just kind of got to turn it on and, and ship it. Um, so, you know, giving yourself a lot of, a lot of grace on that because people aren't going to remember that it was bad. They're going to remember that you showed up and then you're going to start attracting people and then people are, you know, it'll just grow from there and, and you're going to get better along the way. I actually just want to follow up real quick. You kind of touched on it at the very end. Would you say that that, that part, like the content creation has supported your practice and, and your relation with clients? It's been interesting. So I started like with all of the people who made a lot of money off of blogging and became really well known for it. So like the Sophia Barras, the Eric Roberge uh, folks who were just like, you know, it's all about blogging. And I was like at the spot where I, I could have done it, but it just wasn't right for me. Um, so I, I've seen my practice. What we've seen with my practice now is that we're just getting a steady inflow of prospects. So we're blogging twice a month on the website yeah, we're doing twice a month on the website. We're doing social. We're doing newsletters for my practice. So that's helping. And we're about to launch um, a new podcast where it's just me talking to like my clients. <clears throat> um, that'll happen in the next month or two, uh, depending on the baby and bandwidth. Uh, so, so it has helped me in that space. It's really helped me in a lot of the work that we're doing with financial planners. Um, but listening really well to what is it that people are actually asking for? There's so much content out there now, um, but it's like, what is the most valuable content? How can I... How can I really take a unique angle on it? The other piece of advice that I'm learning, and so I work with my husband full time. So that's um, another advantage that I have. And he's definitely, he's an education background. So with the externship, a lot of like the learning side of it that made it easy to follow through, that was all him. Um, and then all the media production was him as well. But one of the things, um, another writer has talked about what... I have to say shout out to Charlie. No, oh, Charlie's amazing. Yeah, he's great. He makes everything so much better. Um, again, going back to writers, that they, they always talk about you have to kill your darling. So they'll write this whole story, they'll write this whole book, and then they'll be like, they'll have like one figure that they're just like super attached to. And in order to make something from good to great, they have to kill their darling. 
And so there's so many times where I find myself from a content standpoint, like getting hooked on one thing. And then I'm going back and getting feedback from people. And they're just like, no, that's not resonating. Like that's, that's, that's for me. That's not for my audience. And so I've learned often that like, I have to kill my darlings sometimes of being like, okay, that's not what people really want to hear. But is it about what's the end goal? Right. Um, and so I don't know, it's been a hard lesson. I'm still learning it. Even with the, like the externship, like there's things where I'm like, Oh, we really should do that. And I'm like, no, people aren't going to find value of that. And I'm like, okay, I have to kill my darling, um, in order to make this a better, better content, better, better piece of it. That goes to our work with clients too. Right. So like, in our investment management meetings. So I have this like whole, like, I love to do this like description of like how stocks come about and like how they get ranked on all this stuff. And Matt, who's works for us is like, yeah, that's kind of boring. And I'm like, but it's so cool. And it's like, maybe not. Okay. So maybe that's one of my darlings that I need to kill um, to make it more relatable to my clients. Um, so I don't know. It's just interesting, like seeing how that's impacted everywhere. Um, where it's not about me, it's about the audience. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Brett had a question. Brett, can you unmute yourself and we'll introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, Anna. My name is Brett. I'm an MSU student in the Financial Planning and Wealth Management Program. Uh, my question to you is, what challenges are you seeing with people entering the industry given we are more remote um, and could be for the foreseeable future? And a follow-up question, um, because we are younger, do you see young advisors um, being more successful given their experience with technology? Yeah. Okay. So number one, I measure success as if young planners are more successful. So I am hoping that like we can make you more successful. Like as a profession, our goal has to be to make you more successful and make you successful faster because the faster we can make you successful, like the shorter we can create that on-ramping into making you guys successful practitioners, the better it is for firms, it's better for clients, it's better for your careers, it's better for everyone. You're going to make more money. Firms, I mean, it's not about money, but it's, but like, you're going to have, you know, faster growth. Um, you're going to be able to help more people. You're going to be giving better quality advice. So I absolutely believe that, um, Yes, because and it's technology. I mean, things are rapidly changing. Um, you guys are going to be able to bring so much value into the workplace. Um, so, so much of what my work is is how do we help do that? Stay tuned to like for the FPA. There's a lot of really cool things going on to really um, like help you guys with that. But yes, I think you guys are positioned better than any generation to come in and have a huge, like disruptive forces in financial services and financial planning, and like that. I could talk about that all day because that gets me really, really excited about the potential. Um, yeah, the fact that you guys know technology, the fact that you guys are working remotely, like you guys, like this is all second nature. Like it's amazing. Um, I love it. Uh, so some of the challenges, one is figuring out the right place for where you want to be. So when we talk about financial planning, that, that includes so many different places. And this is really where we found so much value in the externship is because we were able to show you not just one business model. We were able to show you lots of different business models, lots of different ways to serve your clients. And so that's what um, is so powerful about financial planning and frustrating at the same time is there's so many different ways of, of going about this. Who do you want to be serving? How does this look like for you? Um, and finding your place. One of the biggest disservices I think that we've seen um, in financial planning is students are coming out, they're getting a job at a, you know, they're getting a first job and they're just like, this isn't what I signed up for. I mean, that was my experience when I first got out. 
But I was so fortunate. I got connected with my FPA community. I got to be able to see into different areas and recognize that this wasn't just where I wanted. Like the problem wasn't with my career choice of financial planning. The problem was where I got my first job. And so that's really, really powerful to recognize that. Um, and so many of these firms and like they're great firms, you know, first the further right person, but it's really finding that match between who are you, the work that you want to do and, and where you're at. You can learn something from every single place that you're at. I learned so much from, from where I started, um, but I knew that wasn't going to be for me. And that's totally okay to recognize that and then, and then move on. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest problems or one of the biggest challenges inherent in a career in financial planning. It's um, I always encourage people to break out of isolation, right? You get into your firm. You're like, this is all I'm doing. I have my mentor at my firm. I don't see any other business models. I'm not talking to other people and other businesses. Um, I don't need to network. Um, it's actually incredibly important to be networking and having those peers that are working at completely different types of firms um, than you. So you can really get insights into what this looks like. And then don't be afraid to make changes in your career. Like that's perfectly normal. Um, to do that. It's about finding that right fit for you. So I think that's one of the best challenges or the biggest challenges. The other challenge that you guys, I mean, I faced this 10 years ago. You guys are certainly going to be facing it. All of this technology is second nature to you. Like you, like you could do it in your sleep. Like, let's be real. And you're walking into firms that are um, not that way. And so it's so much of a, you know, we often talk about the generation gap that's existing in financial planning of, you know, older planners and younger planners. And so it's about how do you work? How do you step into these roles, knowing that you have the skill set, knowing that you have this education that so many planners don't have, right? They have the several decades of experience, but they don't have the education background that you do. Um, how do you work well in that, in that environment? And I think the best places there's give and take on both sides. Um, one of my favorite quotes, again, it's learn the rules like a master so you can break them like an artist. It's, it's coming in there and recognizing like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I can't tell you like, Okay. So blogging, right? So where I was at before I like made this whole website and I had to like, you know, submit everything for approval for compliance approval. And then, uh, on my form, I would be like blog post. Every time I wrote blog post, it was rejected because they didn't allow blogging. So what I would have to do is I'd have to write additional web page, additional um, like web page that got approved. And it was just so silly to me, but you're going to run into those things all the time. But the more you can understand the logic behind it, um, the better you're going to be. So like where I was at, like if you looked at it, like if you just looked at like a rule, you're like, this makes absolutely no sense. But if you started at the top and followed all 13 steps down to it, it made a ton of sense of why they did it that way. And so when you get frustrated with those things, focus on why is it that way? Like, yes, it's illogical. Yes, there's like a million efficiencies that you can create. 
But if you can understand the logic and the reasoning of it, you're going to be able to navigate a system far better. You're going to have a deeper understanding. If I wouldn't have had some of those struggles with compliance, if I wouldn't have taken the time to read the compliance manuals, like actually read them and understand them, then like I wouldn't be able to run my own practice right now uh, from a compliance standpoint. Like I truly understand like what's happening on the compliance level um, where I talk to other planners and maybe that they don't have that from understanding because they didn't take the time to like understand every layer of it. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. And I want to hit on something that I don't think is being talked about enough and kind of touches on what you said. So I graduated, did my capstone, ready to take the CFP. I'll get my first job and even every job after. And they're like, okay, now you're going to learn how to new open new accounts. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just writing 10 page papers in my capstone class. Now being a business owner, Thank God I know how to open new accounts. Can you kind of help um, realign expectations and really talk about the value of understanding that side of it? Well, I think one of the things that's really interesting, so my first internship, my only internship, I was so excited and I was at this great financial planning practice in Dallas and you had like these teams, right? And so some interns got like really cool experience. Like they were actually doing financial planning work. I walked in and my team was kind of disorganized. And they were basically like, uh, yeah, see that wall of filing cabinets? We want that all scanned. And that's what I did the entire summer. I actually did that entire wall. Like I raced to finish it because I was like, I want to do this cool financial planning stuff. And then I finished it. And then they were like, and there's the second wall. Like it was awful. No. Um, and so it's not exactly what you're saying about the paperwork. But what I, what I learned, it was... How do you take advantage of the situation that you're in to really learn what's going on? Um, so for me, what I really learned, I learned how file structures were set up. Yes, I learned all those things, but I was able to watch a client because I would do the whole client packet at once. Um, and I was able to see how did the financial planning recommendations change over time? How was the format change? What did that look like? I learned so much. I got to read divorce decrees. I got to read trust agreements. I got to read all of these things that I never would have learned about otherwise in that, in that situation. So a lot of times it's really figuring out how can you make the best of that situation to your point, Stephanie, learning paperwork. I mean, that is so unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know. It's so foundational to our work as financial planners, because it's like, you learn the, you learn the, the why, the how the, like you learn, like, here's how, what a trust looks like. Here's what this means. Like we learn like the theory of it, but the paperwork is the practice of it. And so recognizing that, like, yes, these are complementary things that, that intersect. And so you're going to be learning, um, you know, with the paperwork, it's, it's learning that second level. It's, you know, really figuring that out. Uh, so it's frustrating to learn all that. You're like, this isn't what I went to school for. Um, but it's really is foundational. And I think it's incredibly valuable. Now, that being said, I'm a big, like, you know, strengths finders, like futuristic is always like up there for me. So this is second nature to me, but think about where do you want to be in five years? So you're, you're at the paperwork stage now, like, cool. Like, that's great. Like learn it, be a ma be a master at your craft, right? Like be the best person you can possibly be on the paperwork um, side of it and um, learn it better than anybody in your office. And then it comes to, okay, well, where do you want to be in five years? Okay. So what is it that you need to do in order to get there? Um, another, uh, I don't know who says this, but it was basically like, show me the people you're hanging out with now. And that's where you're going to be in five years. Um, so often I think about that, like, where do I want to be? 
what are the conversations I need to be having? What are the things I need to be learning about to really set myself up for that success? You know, not, not, maybe it's not going to be this year, but in five years from now, who do I want to be? Where do I want my career to be? And it's okay not to know that. Like I certainly didn't know that all the, throughout my career, but just pushing yourself to be networking with different people, to be asking the different questions, right? So if you're in an office where you're doing the paperwork, like don't, don't settle just for being, you know, asking the senior planners in your office about the paperwork, like the logistics of the paperwork, ask them about the financial planning topics that you're interested in. Ask them how the paperwork that you're doing is supporting the financial goals of their clients. By doing those things and having those conversations, you're going to put yourself in a position to where they're going to recognize like, okay, yeah, you're doing the paperwork right now. And I know that I can trust Stephanie, whatever I give her, I can trust her to know that it's going to be getting done and it's going to be excellent, right? Like building that trust is huge. And then, but also be like planting a lot of those seeds and really be like, what are the, where do you want to be? And what are those conversations that you need to be having even within your firm? Because people answer, people answer your questions, uh, but it also puts you in a different light from just being the admin person to being like, no, I want to be a planner. This is where I want to go. Hannah, great to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. One thing I was just kind of thinking about as you were talking about like, you know, maybe some of the the ugliness to like getting into the uh, profession here and it maybe wasn't what you expected. Uh, I kept thinking about just having the awareness because I look at all these college students and I'm like, are you serious? You're like 20 or 21, like, and already know what an RIA is versus a broker dealer. Like, I didn't understand that until I was like four years into the business. So you guys just have such a leg up on us that like, you know, I'm going to be working for one of you guys eventually. I can't wait. <laughs> and it's, it's just awesome how, uh, uh, where you guys are at. I kept thinking about like having the awareness. So like maybe just like having awareness of like where you are and what you're trying to learn. And like with that in mind, curious, maybe like what you're like, top three things or, or something that like maybe is like almost like a principle or a foundation of things that uh, college students can be doing now to either gain, learn, like learn more or, uh, or further themselves. Um, just like maybe like one of the few takeaways that we can be like, all right, that's what I'm going to do after this call to continue to pursue the profession. Oh my gosh. I love it. Uh, and Colin is just so great. So everybody should be following him on social if you're not already doing that. Uh, um, oh my gosh. So many good points on that. So, you know, when I think about what can you be doing now, and I, I completely agree, you guys are like, my professional goal is that you guys surpass us. Like you surpass my generation, right? Like that has to be our goal because this is about helping people. And this is about like, how can we, how can we accelerate your learning? Um, so a couple things. I remember, so I bought two practices at the age of 26. Y'all, that was insane. So I'm sitting across a table from people who have far more money. Like growing up, my dad worked at Walmart and my mom stayed home with me and my four brothers, right? So that gives you kind of perspective um, into, into our lives. Um, and I'm sitting across the table from people who have literally millions of dollars and I'm trying to like get them to listen to my advice. Like, 
who am I, right? Um, that they would be doing that. And what was so great about it is um, I learned to listen, right? So when I think about core skill sets, that if I could say you master these things, you are always going to have a job. Um, this idea of exquisite listening. Um, so I remember, uh, I remember being in one meeting in particular where I was literally like, I have no idea what to say. Like, I truly, honest to God, don't know what to say. And I just remember um, they were saying something and I was like, I was just like, tell me more. And then they did. And then like, it was just like one of the craziest things. Yeah, it's the worst feeling. Um, And then like, but they felt so valued in that, right? So this idea, um, Dr. Brad Klons, he's one of my favorite he, he's a great follow. Uh, he's on TikTok. Like he has like 200 some odd followers on TikTok. Like it's so awesome. Um, but he's a financial psychologist. Uh, but one of the things that he talks about is how few people in our culture today are actually listened to and listened to well, right? Like that oftentimes the only place that people can go to truly be listened to is a counselor's office. And that's why counselors are always going to have um, a job. And so I think about, you know, our role as financial planners, if we can provide just that gift of listening, of actually hearing our clients, being interested in what they're saying and asking just that simple question of tell me more, um, it, it can change It can change somebody's life just to be listened to, which is just absolutely crazy for me to think about. Um, but when I think of core skill sets, learn to listen because they don't care how old you are. They absolutely do not care how old you are. They care that they're heard. Um, And it's one of the core skill sets for working with clients. I think it's a core skill set in navigating your career, right? Like, can you listen to your boss? Like, there's going to be so many things that you disagree about what your boss is doing, but can you really listen to what they're saying? And can you listen to why it is that they're doing it? Can you ask those follow-up questions? Because if you can do that, people are going to remember that. People remember how you make them feel. Um, and they're going to feel heard and they're going to feel different talking to you than they do with anybody else. Um, so if you could master that skill set, um, even now, um, and I know the journal of financial planning has, um, if you Google exquisite listening, um, Dr. Ted Klontz and Dr. Brad Klontz, um, you can find an article on it that really just walks you through like step-by-step. Here's the process of doing it. Start with your family, start with your roommates, start with your significant other, um, and, and just start listening to them really well. It'll change your relationships and it'll change. I'm convinced it'll change your professional career as well. Great advice. Thanks, Colin. Colin is a fellow FP board member. He's doing awesome things. He's actually out in California. So that's how dedicated he is to this group. It's what, 7.45 out there. So thanks, Colin, for joining us this morning. Colin's a great example. Like he's using video in just such a cool way, right? Like with his clients, with everybody. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like what a cool thing to bring to a practice. Like, I don't know. I love it. So I love following Colin as well. Yeah. He's been so much help to me as well. You can get Colin to mentor you. Sign up ASAP. I'm always happy to talk shop. You're going to get a lot of requests now. (laughs) Awesome. I want to squeeze a few more questions in here. Um, Samuel had a question. Samuel, can you introduce yourself? Uh, Yes, I'm a student at Michigan State University. Um, My question is, what book recommendations do you have for financial planning? Mm. The first one is going to be Advice That Sticks by Dr. Moira Summers. Uh, so that's a really good one about how do we actually get our clients to implement our advice, right? Oftentimes, 
I mean, we just had a client come in and they were just like, I know I need to do this. I've been told by my CPA. I've been told by everybody that I need to do this, but it's just so complicated. And so it's like, if I give the same advice, it's not going to work. Everybody's already given them that advice. How do you actually give advice that people that, that make change uh, for, for clients? Um, so that's the one just on how to be a better financial planner. Um, another one that I'm knee deep in right now is practice made more perfect. That's just where I am professionally right now of figuring out what does that look like. Another one, uh, again, classic one, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, uh, which is another, like, why are you guys in this? Um, Somebody challenged me at the beginning of my career to figure out what is my personal mission statement, like, or vision statement? Like, what is it that drives me? That's going to drive my career. Like, it doesn't matter what my firm is, doesn't matter anything. Um, And it took me years to kind of figure that out. Um, But now that I have it, it's like, that is my filter for absolutely everything that I do. It's my why. Um, So that Start With Why is another really good one. Kind of my crazy one is the artist way. People don't talk about that often. It's a little bit out there. So just putting that caveat on there. Um, but it's one that completely flipped how I approach my work. Um, and, and it went from being, you know, really like process driven, like rigid. And, and again, that's, those are all important things, but it was really more of like, how do you actually approach your work like an artist? How do you approach your work different? How do you think differently about your work? Um, so it's kind of an intense book. Definitely not for everybody. A little bit out there, uh, but it was uh, really powerful for me. Hi, I'm Valerie, and I'm a freshman in Western Michigan University. So my question for you is, have you ever faced a situation where you have like differences in opinions with your clients? And how do you solve that? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Yes, absolutely. 100%. Hundred percent. I've had differences of opinions. Um, we've seen different core values, right? So, I mean, we can go down to the level of. I mean, we had a client yesterday that we were talking with, who they value education above all else. Like, it is hands down the number one value. Almost like it. Um, it certainly impacts our financial plan. And I'm like, well, you need to make sure you take care of yourself. And they're just like, if my client, if my kids don't have education, like nothing matters. Like, you know, and so it's a reprioritization of values. And so, you know, really my job is to really figure out what is it that is core to my client. And then I let them know like, okay, yeah, like absolutely. Like if this is your highest value, here's what the trade-off is. So you might have to work an extra two years. Are you okay with that? Like this is the extra risk that's brought into your portfolio or, you know, into your financial plan. And, and they're like, yeah, absolutely. This is so important for us. So it's really about helping make your clients um, that they can recognize their own decisions. You know, there's other places where I realize um, there's so many different values that I have that I don't even recognize it. Like it's so much of my bias, right? We all have bias. Like that's just inherent in what we do. The fact that I'm a working mom, right? That inherently brings bias into my client meetings. Um, can I work with somebody? Can I can I check my bias at the door and work with somebody who doesn't want to be a working mom or somebody who wants to be a stay-at-home dad or somebody who wants to be whatever that could be? But recognizing that like I have those biases is going to allow me to like check to be like, oh, am I projecting onto my client what I would do in my life or am I actually listening to what my client wants to do? Um, so there's, there's biases all the time, right? Um, on that. And so it's about how do I 
how do I make this all about the client, right? How do I how do I ask those questions um, in a way that that makes it about them? So you know, those are biases. Um, one recently that I've just been noticing: how clients talk about divorce. I mean, like I know that's really kind of. Um, it's very personal, right? Like how I think about divorce and how some of my clients think about divorce is fundamentally different. And like, there have been times where I'm sitting in meetings and I'm like, I don't agree with this at all. <laughs> like how they're kind of just being like almost flippant about it. I was talking to a prospect just this week or last week. And I mean, just how she was talking about it. I'm like, I don't think I'm like, this isn't how I view it at all, but it's just like, okay, but this is how my client views it. And then how do I respond to that? Um, and so, you know, it's, I want to be true to who I am, but I also recognize that my financial planning meetings aren't about me. They're about my clients and they're about listening well to my clients, asking questions that are going to get them closer to where they want to be. Um, so I think there's lots of, lots of bias out there that we have and everybody has it. Every single financial planner, I don't care who you are, you bring a bias to the table. Um, and so, so it's, it's about how do you, so first of all, it's knowing your story. So at good exercises, write out your story, write out your money story. What are the biases? What are your beliefs about money? Um, like one of my big beliefs is that it's all going to be okay. Right. And that's my bias. One of my biases that I bring into my client meetings, you know what, a lot of times that's true, but it's not always true. And I have to recognize that. So but what are your, what are your biases? W write out your story, write out your biases, and that's going to help you be able to identify, am I bringing my bias into this or am I, am I actually providing this really great advice for my client? Wow. So much great advice today, Hannah. I'm really bummed we're out of time. I, I can't say thank you enough for all the work that you're doing in this profession and moving the profession forward and giving your time today. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, thank you, Stephanie, for all of your work and all of your team's work on putting this together. And I just, oh my gosh, it's so, so cool to see people like you just stepping up and doing all these great things. And then just for the students as well, like this is, I can't imagine a better profession. I can't imagine a better career where we really get to help people um, in such a meaningful way. And I am so excited about your guys' careers and like the impact that you guys are going to have on our profession and for clients. Like you guys really are like, I truly like you guys are like, you guys inspire me. Um, and so I'm so excited to, to follow you and see, see what you're doing and hopefully see you guys in the externship this year. Prudential's new advisory solutions are built from the ground up to help clients with the financial challenges of living longer and market uncertainty. Their advisor-only annuities are unique, flexible, allow for customization, and rely on your continued guidance and expertise. Now Prudential, with over 145 years of expertise in risk management, can help protect the retirement income plans you've created. You manage the wealth, they protect it so it can last. Visit them at PRURIA.com. Annuities are issued by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey, and its affiliates. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.